from the Lithia Body and Paint Sports Desk, powered by BMW of Des Moines. This is an X's and O's update on 1460 KXNO. And I'm Trent Condon. Last night in the Big 12, Kansas found a way on the road at TCU. Freshman Ochi Agbaji, a big difference maker for the Jayhawks. Agbaji's been quiet in the second half. Dotson. Abaji wasn't expecting the pass, got it anyway, adjusted and hit a three. The call from ESPN. Baylor wins by six over Oklahoma. Kansas, Baylor, Texas Tech, and Iowa State all two back in the loss column of Kansas State. Tonight, the Wildcats travel to Texas to face the Longhorns. Also in the top 25 tonight, Purdue's at Maryland. LSU visits Kentucky. Michigan State's at the Kohl Center to face the Badgers. Michigan at Penn State and Duke visits Louisville. Tonight in the NBC, Drake goes to Carbondale to face the Salukis. And state wrestling coverage begins tomorrow on 1460 KXNO. Updates from the dual state competition and play-by-play Thursday morning of the 3A first round. It's 24-hour sports, morning, noon, and night, here on 1460 KXNO. Welcome back, Miller and Condon, into the 11 o'clock hour, 20 minutes or so away. Zubin Mahente, ESPN.com. We'll slide on in here to do a little football with Zubin, get his take on Kyler Murray, etc. We'll go around the world of sports as we always do with Zubin. Right now, though, uh, John Miller, HawkeyeNation.com, wrote a good, well, I was going to say a lengthy and good. It came out, <laughs> anyways. Uh, <laughs> it wasn't what I meant to say, but John's with us. Iowa comebacks through the years. You ranked them, John Miller. How are you? Good to speak with you, Trenton Ken. Yeah, that was, that was fun. It was kind of, uh, that comeback on Sunday night put me in the spirit, remembering some of those, and there were some discussions on Twitter. So I thought, you know, I'll just go ahead and put down some of my thoughts and go find some of those old games. Yep. And it was, um, you know, the, the Iowa-Illinois game from 1987 is, is my all-time favorite Iowa basketball game. Um, you know, and this was before I even moved to, to Illinois, but it probably has amplified my love for it even more from all my Illini fan friends. I mean, when you look at the magnitude of that game, the talent that was on the floor, you had Iowa ranked number two. You had Illinois either sixth or eighth at that point in time. Illinois was up by 22 points with, I think, 15 minutes and 53 seconds left. And Iowa came back and won that game. And I remember right where I was. I was mm. I was 15 years old at the time. And very late in that game, Iowa was still not on the way back. Gary Wright came a lot, dribbled the ball off his foot out of bounds. I walked over to the stairs in my house. I face-planted on them, and I started to stop. <laughs> Fifteen years old. Jeez. Not really proud of that, but it is what it is. Uh. Yeah. When you talk about the rent, and Iowa was 14-0 and at that time, um, number two in the nation. They come back and they win. They move to number one the next week following that win. So when you consider the quality of the opponent, the magnitude of all of that going on, the most talented Iowa basketball team of all time, and and that type of deficit against the top ten ranked opponent on the road in Assembly Hall and Lou Henson, to me, easily the best comeback of at least the last forty years, which is you know my life of watching Iowa basketball. That eighty six eighty seven team also made me cry in a different way. After the loss to UNLV, I sprinted down to my room, and my mom came down to console me as I was crying after they blew the lead against the Rebels. Hey, BJ, Roy, Ed, they're just sophomores. They'll make a Final Four, Trent. Yeah. Well, here we are almost 35 years later, 
Uh, no Final Four for the Hawkeyes. Yeah, Dan Marino's going to get back to the Super Bowl, too. <laughs> right, right. Hey, hey, John, when you, when you did this exercise, uh, and, and you're going through it, and I'm sure you're doing a little research, how much had you forgotten about these games? Because whenever I go back, there's always something, God, I forgot all about that. Or this adds another layer that I'd forgotten about. How much, or because it was so raw, the emotions afterwards, did you remember everything about it? Or were there some things, you know, regardless of where, this, uh, where these games fell on your list that you... Did you, uh, something jogs your memory? The Illinois game, I can pretty much recite, period, without looking anything up. Mm-hmm. I, I've watched it, I don't know how many times that one has been seared into my into my memory, um, the numbers. The number two uh, on my list, or 1A, and if this is number one for most people, there's no argument, is the 93 game at the Breslin Center, the Chris Street, the, the Chris Street game, basically, the Iowa's first game back on the court. Uh, after the passing of Chris Street, after the players buried their teammates, I, I had forgotten, you know, as I put the video on the site accompanying the story, just seeing some of that opening um, TV uh, video of showing the players around the casket. I mean, that mm. was, I'd forgotten about that. And just how hopeless it seemed. But, you know, one of the things that, that I was reminded doing, looking at all these, there's some common things that go into comebacks. They, you have to start making shots. And really, for Iowa comebacks, the commonality has been the press. It was Dr. Tom's press in Iowa the other night against Northwestern. Yep. It was Iowa's press that really turned the tide. But the opponent has to miss free throw. And you look at Michigan State, they were up, what, 76-73 with about 20 seconds or so to go. They missed two free throws, and then Val Barnes comes down and makes a three, and, they get, and it goes to overtime. And again, the other night, um, you know, Northwestern missed a key free throw or two down the stretch, and Iowa came back, and smartly, in three consecutive possessions, instead of just hoisting threes, they made three layups. One, Isaiah Moss's was really challenging, but mm-hmm. Bohannon and Wieskamp had a pretty good look at the basket because Northwestern was out defending the perimeter. So that was really smart uh, decisions that Iowa made there. But the other team's got to miss free throws. You can't turn the ball over. Oh, with the exception of Iowa against Kansas in 1998, <laughs> when Iowa was down 59 to, to 41 with 12 or so minutes left in that game, Iowa committed 31 turnovers. Jeez. Kansas had 18 steals in that game. And Iowa wins the game snapping the 62-game home court win streak at that time in Fog Allen Fieldhouse against a top-10-ranked opponent. Commit 31 turnovers and trail by that much and win never should happen. Kent McCausland, a big game in that one, including I think there was a bank three in there, start of the beginning of that comeback, and uh, one of the best victories, certainly in the Dr. Tom era, that one came late. All right, John, to the here and now, what does this mean for this team, does it mean anything? Is it just a win against a, a middling to bad Northwestern team, or does this tell you something about this year's Iowa Hawkeye squad to be down like that, keep digging, and come back and find a way to win? You know what's interesting is I, I watched the Iowa State game this weekend, and I tweeted out when it was like even seven, six, five minutes left. I'm like, why do I just get the feeling Iowa State's going to come back and win? Because we've seen it happen so many times. Mm-hmm. Well, it, it didn't happen for Iowa State that particular day. But I had the exact opposite feeling watching this game the other night. And even when Iowa was just, you know, down by the two points there with three seconds to go, my nine-year-old daughter was by me. She's like, do you think they're going to win? I said, you know, Mary, 
I've just seen them in this spot too many times. I don't think that they will. And then Bohannon hits the shot, and Mary says to me poignantly, how you like me now, Dad? <laughs> nice. She, she said he was going to make it. <laughs> and, you know, that that was like her entire watching experience with me for the season. They're not really into it, and that's fine. But, um, you know, I, I think that it, it's a positive experience that goes in the memory bank. And this season thus far mm-hmm. seems almost like um, they kind of hit a reset button. You know, they kind of wiped the computer clean from the last few years. They came out, we talked about how they showed toughness when they were in New York. That toughness has continued throughout the seasons. There's been some times, obviously, the defense has let them down. But they have shown a toughness that we did not see much of last year. And other players mentioned it following the Northwestern game that they felt that probably a year ago they, they wouldn't have you know come back. But there's a belief. And when you come back in a situation like this, I'm not saying you can do it again. I mean, it was pretty miraculous. But you at least have the belief that you can. And you don't quit. You don't give up. If you're down eight, there's three minutes left. You don't pack it up, pack it in. They, I think that's what can pay dividends. Now, this team still has some holes in it. Um, you know, I still am not, you know, they don't have breakdown guards. They can create their own shots, and that's going to cause a problem at some point. You hope it's not the first round of the tournament. Mm-hmm. But I, I think there's a collective belief now amongst the players, and a win like that in a game that you didn't play well, it's a great reminder that you have to bring your A game no matter what. You must run before you go out to the rack this weekend. And that we're never out of it, even if, you know, mathematically, don't do that again. But... um I think it can pay dividends, yes. John, I know that you like to look ahead, and especially in football season with bulls, etc. When I look at this, the, the the standings now in the Big Ten, I hate to say it, but I just don't see Iowa getting. I don't know if they can get up into fifth or or, or a fourth. They, they they've got they still have to play Wisconsin, which is in their favor. Likewise, Maryland, or is it in their favor with both of those schools? But they're eight and five. There's a two game back to the seventh place team in Ohio State. I almost feel like not that they've peaked. That's not the right way to put it, but it'll be difficult for them to rise any higher in the standings from where I sit. Yeah, I think you know they're they're a game back of both Wisconsin and Maryland. They've got to go to Wisconsin and they get Maryland at home. I think a split there is probably you know realistic. You hope for a split. Beat Maryland at home, hold serve there. But, you know, I've been running some, you know, every Sunday I pick the rest of the schedule. It's kind of a dumb thing because it changes so much, but it's fun. I love brackets and things like that. I did The the, the one I ran on Sunday, predicting every Big Ten team's game the rest of the way, um, I had Iowa and Maryland, um, you know, I, I had Iowa as the six and Maryland as the five. And I think that... Um, if Iowa is the six, as long as Michigan State is the one, I don't mind that one bit. I mean, even if Purdue is the two or the three or Michigan, Iowa matches up much better against those two teams than they do against Michigan State. I'd really like to see Iowa on the opposite side of Michigan State. Other than that, I don't really care. If Iowa gets to you know 11 or 12 wins and they're sixth place, no problem, whatever. Um, I, I'm just amazed that Iowa sits here at 19 and five. I think after 24 games, it's got to be one of the, the five or six best winning percentages for an Iowa basketball team after 24 games in school history, or at least in the last 40 years, um, because they didn't play that many quite quite a few years ago. 
Um, you know, the 2015-16 team got to 20 and five before they lost four in a row and faded down the stretch. Um, this team right now, they, they go out to the rack and they're home against Maryland. They got to go to Ohio State, but then they get Rutgers at home and they get Indiana at home. Uh, they've got an opportunity to get to that 23 win mark that only the night in regular season play that only the 86-87 team got to. So, if it's sixth place and they got 11, 12, 13 wins, you know what? Whatever. How important? Speaking of that, and. and matchups are going to matter with Michigan State, with teams that I would just as struggled with. But getting to Saturday, just getting to the semifinal, something that hasn't happened since Steve Alford was the coach, what do you think that would do for the Iowa fan base and, and this basketball program as a whole? I just think for the fans, you know, it gives you almost like, I think maybe a number of people right now are feeling a little bit like Charlie Brown sizing up a kick and Lucy's <laughs> holding that ball again, yeah. wondering if she's going to pull it back. Saturday against Rutgers. Yeah, exactly. And that's what it felt like on Sunday night. I, yep. I tweeted out in the middle of the game, like, why is this game feeling like one of those, mm-hmm. this is why we can't have nice things moments coming at it. Um, and you know what? I, I I really had to do some self-talk during that game. I stayed away from the computer. And kind like, of. Don't be an, you kind of did. Kind of. You're right. Don't be an idiot like you were against Minnesota. <laughs> right. It's a college basketball game in the best conference in the country. Um, but I think that, you know, you want to see follow-through. You want to see them finish. They're going to lose probably at least two more games in the regular season, and that's just the way that it rolls. But, yeah, do something in the tournament. I don't. I think if they could get to Saturday, it would just be another positive experience. And I'm not trying to sound transcendental here, but the more positive experiences and memories of the group that you can have, those are things that you draw on later in life or later in the season um, when the going gets tough because it will get tough again. Mm. You have that positive memory. Okay, we did this before. We were here before we came back. Okay, we did this before. I think that would be helpful for the players and fans alike. John, last thing for you. Away from the Hawks, away from uh, basketball, and just uh, knowing that you're, you're an Oklahoma resident, how big was that news there yesterday, the Kyler Murray news? I mean, did that, um, I, I, I'm guessing, led most sportscast, the lead newscast. How big of a talker was it when he committed fully to the NFL? I pretty much only get the vibe from things through Twitter. I, I haven't listened to one second of Sports Talk Radio Oklahoma Bay since I moved here six years ago. Um, the only sports talk I listen to is, is podcasts and, and you guys uh, in, in Des Moines down here. So I think that I'm, I'm not qualified to answer that gotcha. as far as the, the on the scene, but I will say that, uh, you know, I saw Darren Ravel's uh, money post that he made, you know, the, the amount of money that Murray probably will make more so now than baseball. And when you consider that you're the Heisman Trophy winner, you had the season that he had, and, hey, you're going to go play minor league ball for a couple of years. Excellent point. That might be hard to take. Yep. I think. Baseball is better long-term on the body, but, man, when you're big-time and showtime and you got an opportunity, I don't blame him. And he has a niche, and he's going to scratch it. Now you give him all the credit in the world for doing so. John, thank you as always. We'll talk to you next week. Great stuff at HawkeyeNation.com. Thank you, John Miller. Take care, guys. Thank Good you. Good to talk to you. John Miller, HawkeyeNation.com. Did you see Kyler Murray and the Arizona Cardinals? And there's already rumors out there. The Cardinals have the number one overall pick. Yeah. 
drafted Josh Rosen number nine last year? Chosen Rosen. Rosen the Chosen. That's who they chose anyways. And there's already speculation that they're going to ship Rosen out of town because Cliff Kingsbury, who I remind everybody is their new head coach, uh-huh. wants Kyler Murray as his first QB in the pros. And it begins. Never ends the NFL. They do it well. They do. They, yes, they do. Uh, the, the Alliance had a good weekend. Yep. Well, let's break a couple of scheduling stories yesterday. Let's float out the Thanksgiving games and the Bears and the Packers to kick off the uh, Thursday. And everybody forgot about the Alliance at least for a few minutes because there's NFL news. Zuba Mahente is next. It's Miller and Condon on Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXN. KXNO in your pocket with iHeartRadio on your smartphone. This is Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. Hi, and welcome back. Miller and Condon, Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. You know, I uh, bought Rolling Stone tickets this weekend. You did? Well, yeah, I was... Yeah. <laughs> you you bought them. Yes. You're going? Going. Soldier Field. Nice. Never been to Soldier Field. You had I've never been to Soldier Field. You've been to a lot of places. Never been to Soldier Field. Enjoy the spaceship. Yeah, well it's uh it's a Friday in June, so um a Friday in June. All right, late, I start late June. Yeah. yeah, late June twenty first or something like that. So my wife's always wanted to see him apparently, so That'll be fun for I you. owe her a bunch. So yes. We're, we're going. Anyways, uh, that bump reminded me to uh, to tell you that. Uh, Zubin Mahente, ESPN, joins the program. Zubin, how are you? Doing great. I was just telling Trent the commercial that uh, I know you guys got socked pretty good yesterday. We're getting hammered right now with snow, so... Uh, I guess it started your way, it's coming this way. So it should be a long one here today. <laughs> well, Zubin, that kind of leads me to, I was wondering with... The night shifts that you guys do for Sports Center. Do they have like a setup there? Do they have, you know, at bunks? Yeah, b- bunk beds or anything like that because you got people working there 24 hours a day. Is there something set up like that? And you're in Connecticut, you're going to get bad weather. Yeah, I'm not going to lie to you. I've worked here eight years. There have been a couple days, I mean, a couple days that have just been, I mean, you know, of the eight inch variety or something like that. And I'm not afraid to tell you I uh, have slept at my desk on a couple of nights here, but uh, it's just part of the job, I guess. But on days like this where we kind of knew it was coming, believe it or not, uh, even though uh, people have kind of a different stereotype of Bristol that there's you know not that much going on, it's kind of rural, it's just like any other American suburb. So we've got, you know, with the FDM flops in the middle of it, I guess that is the difference. But we have, uh, you know, three hotels probably within like a two-mile radius because if you think about it um a lot of our guests that are coming to pitch something or a lot of our analysts uh that live outside of this area uh, not only do they need to stay overnight but as soon as it's over a lot of them have to catch a flight home or if you're promoting a movie or you're selling a book or whatever it is as an athlete or a coach you got to get to bristol and then most likely get to new york or boston or go somewhere else so uh, on the days where we can plan ahead, like tonight, for example, we'll be on at 1 a.m., probably won't get out the door till about 3. Uh, if we do get the 8 inches, I'll probably be at the hotel. But then again, at 3 a.m., there's nobody on the road, so it might be brave enough to drive home. But definitely they uh, they do take care of us uh, if need be. And uh, one of those two options 
is probably going to be the option tonight. It's probably not going to be my own bet. <laughs> Interesting. Uh, note to self, ever in Bristol, ask for the ESPN rate. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> yes. <laughs> right. Hey, why, and uh, this aside, just looking at Twitter, why is Abraham Lincoln trending on Twitter in 2019? I'm not going to click. Anyway, I just found that odd. Uh, Zubin, uh, I'm assuming that Kyler Murray was a huge talker when he committed to the NFL uh, yesterday. Committed to football. He's going to forego baseball uh, with the draft getting closer. My guess is that Kuiper or you know some of your draft Knicks were in the building. Uh, give us some intel if you had an opportunity to catch up with any of them. I'm assuming you did. Uh, yeah, um, just a little intel for you. Uh, Abraham Lincoln was born today in 1809. Ah, probably why. That's probably why then. Okay. Yeah. Um, so that's just that. But no, as for Kyler Murray, who was born slightly after that, I think what's interesting about this is last night we had uh, Kirk and Mel Kuyper. I'm impressed you knew that, by the way, Zubin. <laughs> You're more than just sports. Thank you. Thank you. I try to be as well-rounded as I possibly yes, Indeed. Uh, inspired by the $5 bill at my pocket. Um, <laughs> it was one of those things where we had Kirk and Mel on last night. Mel said something that really struck me, Ken. And he said, you know, it's, you know, from now until draft night or even until the combine, there's his pro day in Norman. It's going to be about the short quarterback. How many times are you going to hear Drew Brees, Russell Wilson, especially Baker Mayfield brought up? But what he said yesterday was, he wanted to emphasize this more than anything. He goes, this is truly, truly unprecedented. And he said, you know, Russell is short. Baker, same school, short. Drew is short. But we have never, in Mel's opinion, said never, ever seen anybody that's probably going to measure somewhere in the five foot eight and a little higher ring, mm-hmm. and then he's been listed higher in a lot of other places. Try to get a spot in the top ten, top fifteen. Right now, I asked, I asked Mel last night, "Where's he on your big board right now?" Now that the vacillation is done, now that we know he claims he's not going to do baseball, and he said he was sitting at eight on the big board. Now, obviously, it just matters what team needs are, but he said. This is truly unprecedented. Don't get this mixed up with Doug Flutie and all these other guys. This guy's way shorter, and obviously the league is a little bit more amenable to taking these guys than any of those guys I mentioned. Of course, remember Wilson lasted until the third round. But he said, truly unprecedented. And Kirk floated even, and I know this has been out there, but this is the first time I've heard somebody with his ilk state it. He said he wouldn't be surprised if it's possible that Cliff Kingsbury could end up shipping off Josh Rosen and taking Kyler Murray number one overall. That really caught my attention when he said that. But even Mel just said, they're short guys, but this is completely different. He doesn't doubt his ability to play, but for the NFL, who you know for a long time has been risk-averse in these types of moves, Kyler Murray will truly, truly be a litmus test. And in 2019... As the league gets set to celebrate, you know, 100 years next year, um, I know the draft hasn't been around that long in this current incarnation. This is finally something we haven't seen. To be unprecedented in 2019 in sports, when everybody's imitating everybody, doing everything else, copying offenses, everybody's going air raid, everybody's going spread, all that stuff. This is a truly unique case. It's going to be fascinating to watch. Kyler Murray is two, three, four years away from Major League Baseball if he would have went that route. But there's some people out there trying to make this an indictment on MLB. Do you see it that way, Zubin? No, not at all. I think, and I don't know Kyler Murray, and Kyler Murray has not openly said this, um, but from every reputable story you see, he just simply said football was his first love. Mm -hmm. And I would just tie it back to you, Trent. I'll give you an example. 
when you were first starting out in radio, or anybody in your audience is, is listening, they're first starting out in their vocation, they're 22, they're 23. Now, granted, I'm sure your plan B didn't involve $4.66 million that you took <laughs> and then gave back. But when you first got into radio, they said, listen, man, it's going to be really competitive. There's more people that want to do it than there are opportunities. Uh, yeah, everybody wants to be Gary Dalton and Tim Sobble <laughs> and Don Walters and Pete Taylor. But those jobs are tough. But if you said, listen, man, I love radio. I love talking sports or whatever your person in your audience does for a living. I love doing that. I love working on cars. I love real estate. Yeah, it's tough to get your license. It's tough to get into that stuff. But if you're telling me that's your passion and you love it, then I'm not going to hold anything against you if you don't go for plan B. And from what everything we're hearing, and again, I don't know this. He hasn't verbally said this, and I understand why he wouldn't with all this money on the line. Um, the bottom line is, that he seems to believe, according to a lot of his reports, that football is his first love. So there's no way I can tell him to not go after what his passion is when he's in the prime of his life and has the opportunity to do that. The one trump card the A's do hold is that Major League Baseball has basically written them a rule that said they can go above and beyond and give Kyler Murray more than that 4.66 mil. So, for example, if he doesn't like where he's drafted or for another reason there's a course correction, the bottom line is, and I'm not sure the A's would do it, because to your point, you have no idea how he really projects as a major leaguer. They think drafting him eighth overall, he'll be a very good five-tool player eventually. But the bottom line is, even if he makes 4.66 mil with baseball, let's say he makes $15 million in his first NFL contract, the bottom line is at the 11th hour, the A's can still, thanks to this rule Major League Baseball put in, the A's can still come in and top whatever contract Kyler Murray gets. Let's say Kyler Murray goes number one. Last year, Baker Mayfield got $32.7 million guaranteed at number one. A far cry from 4.66. You would certainly think he would make the right choice. I'm not saying Billy Bean and David Force would do this, but if they wanted Kyler Murray bad enough, they have the ability, and baseball did not have this rule in place until recently, they have the ability to go above and beyond and give Kyler Murray as much money as they wanted, more than 32.7 to say report to single A, show up to the big league club. So at the end of the day, the A's ultimately are going to be able to offer Murray more money because obviously there's no cap in Major League Baseball. They could offer him more money right now than even if the Arizona Cardinals were to take him at once. But from what I'm hearing and from what people are saying, he really wants to play football. And from somebody like yourself or somebody in the audience that really has a passion for something, that's willing to put in the work, that's willing to put everything else to the side, it's not an indictment of any of your other hobbies or interests. The radio was your passion, and I would say that would be the same thing with Kyler Murray when it comes to football. In a down year for quarterbacks in this year's NFL draft, it's going to add a lot of intrigue, uh, no doubt, and a lot of hours for you there on the air at ESPN Zoo. But with that, speaking of ESPN, you sent us a note early Monday morning as you were working into the wee hours, uh, late Sunday night for all intents and purposes. The number one story on the ESPN app, was the Iowa comeback victory against Northwestern. Take us in and inside those numbers a little bit and people clicking on the Hawkeye comeback. It was great. I mean, when we did that, we do it every single night, and it's just basically two to three minutes of here's what you missed. And a lot of it's done towards geared toward a younger audience. There's a high what we call production value, bells and whistles, all this sort of stuff on it to make a, a little more visual eye candy to help people stay with it because everybody's doing so many things at once. And I remember we did this, and I was like, where is Iowa going to end up on this? Because that same day, there was a half-court buzzer beater, which I'm sure you guys discussed. Remarkable, yes. It happened in the Valley. 
you know, that got over like a million views. Um, it's one of those, and obviously the stakes, the craziness, the half-court ease. Uh, there were some crazy things in the NBA. Uh, the Lakers had lost big, which I know may not resonate with your audience per se, but for our audience at large, it resonates huge with LeBron. And Iowa was right at the top. Obviously, it seemed really unlikely. It was probably the second strangest finish of the weekend when it comes to percentage chance to win because at the end of the day, that was a 50-50 shot in the final second at half court. But on Saturday, UCLA had come back from 22 down. Excuse me. Utah had come back from 22 down to beat UCLA when their chances were to lose were in the 99.1% percentile. And I would imagine Iowa was somewhere in that category on Sunday against Northwestern. And I remember I asked the guys afterwards, because we have a lot of our young folks, uh, guys and gals do it. I said, you know, how many people are going to click on this today? It was late Sunday night. And they're like, probably early in the morning, we're probably looking at somewhere in the morning of like 1.2 million people. Mm. And it's one of those things where anything can be a recruiting edge, you know? And I think for a lot of people, they're wondering what's going on in year nine for him. But anything can turn the tide. And I'll tell you this real quick, in addition to getting the Hawks to love, I didn't tell you this last week. I was with Greenberg again last night. We were talking about the Virginia-North Carolina game on SportsCenter. He actually, and I'll get you details on this next week, because I know you guys would be interested in this, he coached Reese Camp at one point. <laughs> Reese Camp did some sort of like program, or I don't know what it was, because I knew I was coming on with you the next day. I was doing Big Monday with him. And he goes, Reese Camp, that kid's unbelievable. Great head on his shoulders, going to be amazing. Great, great kid. And then he mentioned he coached him somewhere along the line, maybe some sort of summer tour type thing or all-star thing. I'll get the specifics on that, but it was a great boost for Iowa to get all those people to watch it, even before they watched LeBron on ESPN that day, at least on our app. And then uh, he continues to rave about uh, Weast Camp. I'll get more details on that because I'm guessing your audience will be interested. Yeah, you know what? Seth Greenberg is so great. Him and Jay Williams, that is a terrific duo. Zubin, I forgot to ask you this week, or I forgot to mention this uh, in our conversation with you last week, and I know that you were on SportsCenter right at the conclusion of Dion's double play, the 30-for-30 30 30, uh, that unveiled a couple of weeks ago um, on ESPN, late January, I think it was. My God, um, it was absolutely spectacular. I. You know, I know the latest is always the greatest, and Trent and I have done our top 30 for 30s. I, I'm going to have to bump one out because that one's going to find a place for me. He was so good in that 30 for 30. Boy, it was terrific. Yeah, you know, and I think he really changed the narrative because I think one thing that Dion mentioned was so interesting, and it just shows you how different sports viewing is today. And that is the narrative was set because there was really no social media. So there was no way for Dion to communicate why he was doing what he was doing. And I think Dion spent a good part of the 30 for 30 saying, you know, I think the narrative at, on that day at that time is that I was being selfish. Yes. I wanted to go out there and play two sports. I wanted mm-hmm. to be in that helicopter. It's all about me. Whereas what Dion was saying was like, listen, um, I was just trying to help two teams win the game. That's what I was trying to do. But because he doesn't have Dion Sanders on Twitter feedback, in the 90s to accentuate that. He doesn't have his Instagram page to basically say, hey, I just got out of the shower. I'm hopping over here. We're going to get on the plane. I'm going to go there. I hope to be there by this time. He only had, <laughs> and by the way, the uh, the murmurs throughout the uh, newsroom when Pat O'Brien showed. I've seen Pat O'Brien. Yeah, good point. <laughs> like, wow, Pat O'Brien is still alive and still going. Um, but, you know, it would have been nice to, I think, have, McCarver in it. You totally understand why he mm-hmm. wasn't in it for those listeners that are old enough to remember the obvious situation 
uh, in the locker room. It wasn't complete because I would have liked to have all the particulars there, but obviously I'm not going to blame McCarver for, for not being in this. Um, but at the same token, what, the thing I really took away besides the fact that he is the epitome, was and is the epitome of cool <laughs> back then and still today, the notion that just because the media decided in the small quarters of people in the national media or even the local media in Atlanta that were covering this, if they thought this was some sort of stunt for Dion, you were really able to take that and extrapolate that to the entire nation. Whereas if this story happened today, let's say it was Kyler Murray or Drew Henson or whomever that, that had tried to support uh, Josh Booty, somebody like that, they could easily go out there today and basically say, I'm going to chronicle this. We're going to have a Facebook special on it, you know? We're going to go Facebook Live on it. You, you can FaceTime me while I'm traveling, <laughs> and you can really make the story and the narrative different. But back then, once people decided what the angle was, the angle remained that. And until the 30 for 30, I'm not sure Dion got to go out there and say, hey, by the way, there's two sides to every story. Why don't you listen to mine now? Excellent point. Well, final thing, Zubin. Uh, we opened the show today with baseball, and baseball certainly has changed in the 25, 30 years of baseball tonight and you know everything that has happened there. With spring training happening, how much coverage will you guys give? You'll have the NCAA tournament. Know the NBA is big. We talked about Kyler Murray. Have you guys started to dig in kind of the plans for baseball leading up to the end of March, early April? Yeah, I was talking to our guys yesterday about that, and we're starting coverage this week. We're- well, Olney's already in Tampa. I just saw him do a hit from yeah, from uh, the Yankee spring training facility. Which is a great sign. He's there. Jeff Passan, who's our newest addition, a terrific baseball reporter. Yep. I was speaking to him about Murray the other day. He's with the Phillies because uh, that's a story that's obviously going to generate some headlines. So we're really all over the place uh, for baseball. I don't know what the coverage is going to be like as the season moves on because, as you know, I mean, there's just certain teams with the way they have no salary floor. I mean, if the Padres don't get Bryce Harper, I mean, where are they going to be in mid-May? Where are the Baltimore Orioles going to be? Where are your twins going to be? So a lot of it just comes down to once the season begins, we'll just focus in on the teams that I think a lot of our viewers want to see, realizing we have fans of all 30 teams across the board, no question. But I think right now we have to prioritize and figure out what's going on with Bryce Harper, Manning Machado. Obviously, we'll focus on the Yankees. The Red Sox are looking to do it again. They start the season on an incredible road trip, just kind of taking a look at that. You know, the Dodgers have led Major League Baseball in attendance the last six years. They've been in the last two World Series, haven't been able to finish it off. So those are the obvious storylines. But when the season begins, let's be honest, if the White Sox get Bryce Harper, they're obviously going to be a huge story. So right now I was talking to our guy Kevin Davies about it, who plans all this stuff. And he was saying we're locked and loaded with every team. If anything happens, no matter where these guys sign, because it's not just those two, as Verlander pointed out yesterday, there's another 100 free agents that are still out there waiting to be signed. Mm. So I think we're pretty good across the board right now, no matter who your team is. And then, like in any sport, we'll basically figure it out as the wins and losses start to pile up. But it's definitely great to have baseball back. We're going to be at you know camp week, very close to camp week by this time next week, uh, next month. And then obviously the AAF's off to a good start. Pro days, combine. We'll have the Masters soon enough. It's going to be a great if we can get through this show that you had yesterday. And I'm I'm looking at it out my window right now. It's going to be really great here for the next couple of months, especially as baseball back. I know you guys are way bigger baseball guys uh, than I am. You'll be watching baseball. I'll be watching the, the NBA. But we'll be able to talk about both here through June and obviously take baseball all the way through the summer. And then, Ken, finally our football void will be open. Indeed it will. Zubin, great stuff as always. Thank you. We'll talk to you in a week's time. 
Take care, guys. Thanks. Thank you. Zubamante. Be safe in that snowstorm. Uh, ESPN.com. We'll take a timeout. Our final one of the day. We'll come back, finish it up. Miller and Condon on Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. Get the latest sports news and opinion all day from your home or office with Alexa. Just say, Alexa, play 1460 KXNO on iHeartRadio. That's Alexa, play 1460 KXNO on iHeartRadio. Trent Condon here, back again for New Leaf Wellness Center. A chance for you. To find out more with their open house, it's coming up February 21st on a Thursday from 9 until 5 at New Leaf Wellness. There'll be free B12 injections, special open house savings on NHT evaluations, supplements, and a whole lot more. Again, Thursday, February 21st from 9 until 5. Or right now, if you're interested in losing weight, testosterone replacement therapy, wellness injection therapies, and a whole lot of other therapies they can do you help you with, including headaches. That's something you're dealing with. Nutritional therapies. Give them a call. 650-1358. Feel better together in 2019. I'm working on myself. Losing weight, feeling better, and you can do the same. Again, 515-650-1358. You can find out all the different things they can do for us guys at NewLeafCenters.com. And don't forget to tell them that Trent sent you. This is Iowa State Athletics Director Jamie Pollard, and you're listening to Des Moines Sports Station 1460 KXNO. Hi, welcome back. Miller and Condon, final few minutes brought to us by our friend uh, Dr. Stephen Fuller. FullerDental.net is where you can find him on the web. You can find them housed at East 29th Street in Des Moines or in Altoona at 410 8th Street Southwest. If you live in the eastern part of Polk County or you're new to the area or you can't remember the last time you've been to your dentist or his name, my dentist, Dr. Stephen Fuller, fullerdental.net. All right, Trent Condon. Mm-hmm. Uh, just real quick news from yesterday that broke after you and I got off the air. Uh, Kareem Hunt is a Brown. He was... Yeah seemingly ticketed for the Bears. Now, John Dorsey and the relationship there, after all, he did draft him in Kansas City. You could That one made sense, but so did the relationship with Matt Nagy, the Bears head coach. Did the Bears dodge a bullet? I mean, I know they dodged a PR bullet. No doubt. Are you happy as a Bears fan that, um, that he's not going to be a Bear? Yeah, absolutely. I, I felt uncomfortable when the conversation began. As a fan, mm-hmm. and this wasn't his girlfriend that he beat up. This was a, was it a friend of his girlfriend? It was some yeah. Was, the, the hotel. There were a group of people that right. knew each. They were acquaintances. Right, he knew the woman. Yes, yes, yes. yes. But I don't think it was a. It was his girlfriend. Regardless, that doesn't that. yeah that doesn't right. minimize it. I'm not saying that at by all. any means. No, not at all. But I was uncomfortable as a fan. Yeah, I wasn't going to renounce my fandom to the Bears mm-hmm. if they would have signed him. Mm-hmm. But what made me uncomfortable at the very least, they got Jordan Howard. They got Tariq Cohen. Mm-hmm. They're fine at running back. Mm-hmm. They are. Green Hunt's good. Yep. But was it worth the baggage? I, I wasn't happy with it. I'm with you. I'm, um, you know, if, if I was a, if he would have been going to the Broncos, mm-hmm. would have been that rumor and would have signed with the Browns, I'd have been, you know, not relieved, but yeah, I think that would be best for all concerned that he's going to be wearing a, di- a different uniform. And because of the Browns' ineptitude since they came back as an expansion, expansion franchise. Mm-hmm. They got a pretty good one, Nick Chubb, though. There. They do, but I think it's an easier sell there. Maybe. We're, we're trying. Mm-hmm. And we're trying to, yeah, mm-hmm. this guy has baggage, but you want a winner. Maybe we're going to have to cut some corners to get there.
probably easier at that t- with that team and organization than some others. I would think. Yeah, and he's not going to play. I mean, I'd have no idea how much he's going to play in 2019. Sure. I'm not sure Roger Goodell at this point has any idea how much he's going to play in 2000. Well, he finally got around to uh, talking to, to sending back Saints? a letter yes. <laughs> to the New Orleans mayor. Well, his defense the has been of, a little busy. They did yeah, have that really. I mean, the Super Bowl, I got to think, takes a lot of his time. I mean, he's the commissioner of the league. You would think he's pretty focused on Super Bowl week. You would think so. You would. Yeah. Uh, what are you going to be focusing on tonight? Because it is college basketball. It is yeah. a wonderful night. Oh, I'm so happy. So last night was dance night. Mm. Tomorrow night is gymnastics night. So mm. it takes a dent during the winter time. Mm-hmm. Plus everything else that I do with the high school sports. Right, and, and I that got a lot starts when? I mean, the wrestling coverage starts tomorrow, but you're yep. full-blown on Thursday. Thursday morning, we will get started with our play-by-play coverage. I'll keep everybody up to date all throughout the day tomorrow, all through mm-hmm. our local programs with the state dual competition. And uh, then, yeah, Thursday, 9 a.m., wrestling coverage begins here on KXNO. Then Friday morning again from 9 till about 10.30. Okay. Can you handle about a half hour on your own? I do so, I think. Until yep. I make my way back from the well. I'll do my darndest. And uh, I'll come back with you for the last hour. Then I jump back there. 3.30 to about 4.15 or so, the 3A semifinals uh-huh. will bring to you play-by-play. And then championship Saturday night from 6 until 10. That That's going to be terrific. Who are you working with? Uh, Nick Keeman will be joining me, one of my good friends growing up, an Osage guy who's a longtime wrestling coach here in the state. He's going to be with me, so it'll be good to have somebody that knows the sport certainly more intimately than I do mm-hmm. that can help me out. With eight mats going on those first couple of rounds, you need all the eyeballs you can get. little hectic, right? Yeah, I mean, how, well, how, so how do you go about it? Can you really focus on one? Not really. Early you're... on. No, you can't. Right. I mean, you're, you're going to be updating as much as possible, and I want to hit everybody. I want to hit the kid from the North Hoover. They have sure. a combined program. I want to hit Southeast Polk. I want to hit Walkie. I want to hit everybody in Central Iowa there's only one voice here. You and need one a voice spotter, next week. don't you? Yeah. <laughs> I, I need more than that. Mm-hmm. I will do my best to try to, every match, get an update, what's going on. But if you're looking for just an individual match, I'm not going to be able to do that because there's eights going on at the same time. It's a lot of fun, though. It is the most entertaining day of broadcasting that I do over the course of the year, though. Thursday is. Just because it's nonstop. It just, there's not a time for a pause, there's not a time for a break. It is constant conversation and try to keep everybody up to date. It'll be a lot of fun. Make sure to tune in here to 1460. That's good news. So and you will be on the air on Saturday night from 6 until 10. That'll be a busy night. So just one more real quick on this. Yeah. I just want to pick your brain a little bit. You do high school football. Mm-hmm. You do high school basketball. You do high school baseball. You do high school wrestling. Which is the most difficult for you to do? Is it wrestling? It probably is wrestling just because I don't have the same depth and breadth of knowledge mm-hmm. of wrestling. I grew up in a wrestling town. I grew up. I wrestled. I was terrible at it. But, but at I least just, you know it. I know it, but I don't know it as well as the other Right. Sports. You know how many you knew how many points your opponent had when he was wrestling on you. It, uh, well, with you or it usually was five and then I was pinned. <laughs> right. Five point move and it's over for young T C. Well this won't take long. No. Uh let's uh let's take a look at tonight because we've got as we mentioned, it's a spectacular night of college basketball. Uh Iowa and Iowa State both have the night off and I'm okay with it because there's yes. just so darn much going on. Purdue and Maryland kicks things off at five thirty. Uh the SEC game kinda does intrigue me a little bit just because it's LSU and Kentucky and I haven't seen LSU and people think that we probably should because they're going yes. to be a player. Mm-hmm. Uh Michigan State at Wisconsin is going to be fantastic. What's your favorite game? of all it is is it the big 12 i think so just because of the importance of this K-State here locally, texas is what we're talking about because of the race that's going on kansas state with the injury that you Jara's, mentioned today stars 
he's out for he's, he's undergoing surgery on his hand. So that has to be number one for me. I'd have to say. Me too. Yep. Me too. By by maybe. I was going to say a long ways, but I like Purdue and Maryland a lot, mm-hmm. and that game's at 5.30 on the Big Duke Ten. Duke-Louisville. That's not bad either, right? Duke's on the road. Let down after the Virginia game? Could see it. Louisville's playing well. What's your best play tonight? Have you found one yet? I got a lot. I'll throw them up on Twitter, at Trent Condon or at Miller and Condon. I'll throw them up here this afternoon. We will uh, be back with you tomorrow. Murph and Andy of the next local programming. Fanatics get you home. Rush starts it all again tomorrow. See ya.